Hello, everybody, and welcome to our worldwide audience with Eon Reality. And we're so excited today to have Sajjad Hussein, a senior lecturer and associate professor at the James Watt School of Engineering at the University of Glasgow in the UK. And uh, Sajjad is an expert in uh, wireless communications. So I'm going to go ahead and let Sajjad give a, a little background. Um, that's an area that is a, it's a specialty and it's so important today. So welcome, Sajjad. Thank you very much, Reina. It's a pleasure to be here. Um, uh, honored to uh, be part of this webinar series. Uh, I'm Sajjad Hussain. I'm a senior lecturer in uh, James Watt School of Engineering at University of Glasgow. My research background is in the area of wireless communications, and I do my research on um, uh, uh, contemporary and futuristic wireless systems like 5G communications, some of the use cases of 5G communications. And uh, I relate that research with my scholarly research. So I have my interest in the technology enhanced learning uh, to improve the student experience. So this gels my disciplinary research gels very well with my scholarly research. So for example, I've been involved in doing projects uh, on the use of uh, uh, remote robotic experiments where we uh, uh, use 5G uh, network to provide low latency communication between the robotic arm and the actual uh, uh, the remote uh, lab experiment. So we have been looking at different ways and AR, VR, augmented, and virtual reality is another use case where 5G communications can come into play to reduce the delays and provide a real-time experience to the remote users. So um, both my disciplinary and scholarly research, as I said, they, they go hand by hand and they uh, they are very you know, have been helping me in developing my uh, career and doing the projects that I am uh, involved in at the moment at the University of Glasgow. Fantastic. I'm going to try to keep up with you. I mean, my background's in biomedical engineering, so uh, five, but 5G has been life changing uh, for for a lot of people. And I know um, for me, you know, traveling around the world, uh, having 5G is, you know, just easier to access information. And actually in Eon XR, it seems to be fantastic when you don't have um, Internet or you're away because I do a lot of augmented reality. Uh, I love augmented reality being out there in real space and bringing in models. So I use 5G all the time now with my um, latest mobile device. So thank you for that. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, yeah, uh, yeah, we are, we are just part of that research, ongoing research to, uh, to uh, mainly to develop the use cases, whether it's in uh, healthcare, whether it's in education, uh, physical education, physical training. So uh, there are so many use cases of 5G that are coming up and you know, uh, uh, doing the remote surgery, uh, letting the people doing some experiments remotely without having um, and, and the experience of delays. Uh, so real-time experiences over 5G, these are very critical uh, to you know, provide a good quality of experience to the users. You know, that's a great place to start with surgeries only because I have um, personal experience with physicians here in California that do brain surgery from in, from their house, they're doing the recommendations and looking at the scans uh, and then working in tandem with the surgeons in the operating suite. 
so using 5G. And so, um, you know, I, I, and it's actually, you know, it's a huge change in the way, you know, that's done, but also even in lifestyle change, because, uh, you know, people doing uh, work from home like that, it's a, it's a pretty new uh, modality, the new surgeons. Yeah, especially during the pandemic, as you know, we were all were you know, bound to our homes and yeah, especially the academics, they were forced to do the online lecturing. And in engineering, as you know, uh, the hands-on uh, work, the, uh, the practical work is of very much importance. So we were not allowed to go into the labs and the students were not able to do the labs. So in that case, uh, in, in that sort of situation, all these techniques, all these technologies, uh, and with, of course, augmented virtual reality to support and provide a, uh, a real-world ex uh, experience to the users, these are, you know, these these are the themes that have emerged really well over this period of pandemic. And I don't feel they are going to uh, stop anywhere. It's, it's just, it's going to be, because the expectation levels of our uh, customers or students, I should say, that they have been raised. Okay, so now they have been exploited to this technology and they would be expecting this more and more integration in their uh, routinely uh, learning activities. So this is something, um, due to pandemic which has created this step change uh, in the expectations and the experience of uh, academics as well as students absolutely i mean when uh i remember i'll never forget in march i guess it was 2019 now when uh, i said okay don't come back for the rest of the term and mm -hmm. and i no, teach also in the lab <laughs> it was 2020 Rena. <laughs> 20, see how long it's been, it's been five years I was like, okay, well, because I teach uh, recording engineering, film, and television. It's all hands-on in labs, special software. And the problem for me, and maybe you can uh, chime in on this, is the student engagement. So, you know, students, the first tendency, it seemed like on Zoom, was just turn off the camera, turn off the microphone, go away. You, you're at class, but you're not, so you can't really tell if they're engaging. So, you know, I try to do breakout groups and have them do projects and come back and present. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, with Eon or with, and like, for example, when I do like bring in a model and I'm interacting with it, like it's, you can't ignore that either you're interacting mm -hmm. with it or not. So it seems like when I bring that in with students and I'm, and then they have to, you know, create an experience, go find a model, do that, um, bring in knowledge, use artificial intelligence. There's things that they're doing, like, it really improved the student engagement for me. So I was going to see, mm -hmm. ask you about during the pandemic, you know, that's it's just a, you know, the idea is to keep, you know, keep people learning hands-on as much as possible, have a different experience. Yeah. 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 So you, you are, you are spot on and especially with, with a screen in front of you, it's very hard to, you know, stay focused. There are so many things that <laughs> your email pops up, uh, any message comes up on WhatsApp, Facebook, you know, it's very hard to stay engaged in an online setting. And uh, the, the, the other issue that I wanted to highlight was that <clears throat> the, the generation that we are, uh, in terms of the student generation I'm talking about, that we are uh, having in, in academia, um, they, they are kind of uh, the, uh, the generation that, that want, they, the real-time response. They 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 want uh, quick, efficient, and uh, customized response. So they, they these guys are, are so used to of using the mobile phones that touch screen, 
uh, feeling and all that stuff. So uh, although these students, which are in their teens or uh, early 20s, they haven't been exposed to that much of technology. But in few years, the students that we will be having, they, they are born with the mobile phones. You know, they, they have seen the mobile phones when, uh, in, in their first year and second year. And they, they know how to play <laughs> YouTube videos and all that stuff. So this generation is very demanding. Uh, let me just give you an example. Uh, some time ago, I was I saw something on YouTube. It was just a five-minute video. Uh, I thought I should share it with my son. So I called him and I said, uh, uh, let's have a look at this video. And before uh, the video started, he'd asked me, how long is this video? And I said, it's only five minutes. And he said, five minutes? <laughs> so, so this is the you know attention span that this generation has. Uh, even so... These are TikTok generation. They they, yes. they they just want 30 second, one minute thing. So so limited attention span. So unfortunately or fortunately, this is something that has developed, and the academia needs to respond to this. Historically, unfortunately, the academia is quite um you know uh, very resistant to change. It's, mm-hmm. it's it's not it's a very you know. Um, uh, smooth kind of uh, environment. It does not change very rapidly. But currently now the situation has changed in a way and the pandemic has been a catalyst for that change. Mm-hmm. That uh, I would say academia has to take some very revolutionary steps to keep the students' audience engaged. And if they don't uh, do that, I'm afraid um we will st- keep having these uh, issues of engagement and keeping uh, the students engaged uh, during the learning process as you may know already um, some short certificates for example google has started the six month certificates with just giving you the focus training and get over you you're, you're ready for the employability for a specific sector so the question is, would the next generation be willing to spend three or four years in the university, mm. a huge amount of fees, you know, and stick to that education model or they will be going for this TikTok type educational <laughs> model. So this is something that all the academics should be concerned and worried yeah. about and see how they can adapt to this revolution. I'm just interested. I just had a thought that I didn't think of before because I know one of the problems with that learning is that you miss a lot of the things like writing, reading, problem solving, um, communicating. I wonder, and I never thought about this before, if some of those type, the critical bait, you know, the first two years of your higher education experience, if that if people are going to go for certificates, when does that happen? Does that happen when you start work? Because you're going to send bad emails, bad grammar, you're not going to be able to communicate. Yeah, and it's not all about communication. It's about living a life. When you are at a university, when you are at a campus, you meet with people, you know how to deal with uh, people, you you know how to live with the society, you know how to communicate, as you said. So it's not only written uh, communication, it's verbal communication, it's your physical, you know, your body, uh, how... uh, movements, how you uh, interact with people. So it's all about that. So obviously, uh, right. <clears throat> this is uh, not something that people would like to miss upon. But is is that that there should be something in it for the people mm-hmm. to get engaged and excited about going to the university? 
Absolutely. Then I was thinking about the attention span thing. I'm going to share my screen for a second. So looking at, uh, I have a bunch of examples, but when I show my students, like if I say, okay, I want you to, in my classes, it's mostly looking at uh, recording equipment or film equipment, but this is an example I just have of the circuit board. So when I show them, you can get these models now in giant libraries, um, like Sketchfab is my favorite, just because I love the way that they, they preview stuff. And then you can teach, I can show them this. One of the things I found, and maybe I'm a culprit of it too, is finding these models is one of the things that's like TikTok. Because in what, when you mention it, I just realized that's maybe why I like it so much. So when I go into any of these experiences, like here's another one, and I find these models and I go, oh, there's animated. This is so fun for me, um, you know, to see this. And I can go through just flip, 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 flip through these models. And then bring, they, they import like, um, you know, like JPEGs or PDFs as zip files into um, Eon. And so I wanted to talk about that for a minute because you brought up a really good point is, you know, students uh, and adults like me that multitask <laughs> and I'm a media person, but um, I, I personally enjoy that experience of going through, um, going through models and then finding things that I can learn from or I enjoy or I want to see what it's like in AR. I mean, honestly, I love that process. And I'm wondering, um, it's something that I love to talk about academics about um, between making lessons or having students make lessons, kind of flipping the classroom in a way. And maybe I think this way because I, one of my assignments I have students do is make a documentary about anything they want. They have to check in with me, but it's subjects that I would never think of. During the pandemic, some of my students um, talked about food safety. So things mm -hmm. I would never come up with that were just fascinating in their communities. And so, you know, um, in, in ARVR, the same thing, like I'll have an assignment um, you know, do a set design and then I'll have an example, but I have them go searching through and then check in with me on what they're going to do. And then they plot out their own project and learn that way. I kind of feel like it's, it's the same way I've taught film all this time. It's just now we're now using 3d instead of 2d. I'm going to see your thoughts on that. Yeah. So, I mean, this is a quite, uh, wide dis discussion that, that might, uh, make me, uh, a comment which is a bit uh, controversial, uh, yes. but uh, but to me it's factual. So let me first uh, say from the academic perspective, when when someone is teaching a subject or, or a module for so many years, you know, one, two, three years, they wouldn't, or most of the academics are not willing to change the way they are teaching because it yes. needs some extra effort and they are not willing to pay that attention uh, or extra effort because of the way the universities are working. So the more controversial bit is that universities are focused on the research income. They are, they are more, uh, the staff are more worried about bringing the money in terms of research uh, funding than providing uh, a, you know, a life-changing experience to the students. So they, they, they are not focused on paying much attention to that bit of uh, learning and teaching. Right. I just got a comment real fast. I went to UTSD, which is a complete research institution, and I had to go work at a hospital to learn chemistry. I mean, I took courses, but to actually the hands-on chemistry, physics, like the actual, what is it? <laughs> right. Yeah. I, I worked. Yeah. yeah. So go ahead. 
I love that. Yeah, good intelligence. Yeah. So now the problem with AR VR comes in that it's it's altogether a new or different technology. It's not something like creating your presentation, whether you want PowerPoint or PDF. It's not this. It's it's yeah. it's, it's a step change from two dimensional to three dimensional. So this is not something that can easily be adopted. So for academics, there should be, a, a, if, if I ask myself, I, I would be looking for a you know, shortcut, something that can quickly help me produce the content. I can quickly produce the content and put them in front of my students. I don't need to put an extra effort. And this is where you know, Eon XR comes into play that you don't need to do any sort of coding. You just go around, as you were saying, you scan things, upload it and share it with your students. So this is a very strong point of Eon platform that uh, you are able to quickly create your content. Now flipping the side and putting the onus to the students because despite all this, even if it is not that difficult, as, as an academic, I might be engaged in so many activities that I, I, I may not be able to find a time to create the content myself. So let's talk about, uh, let's put the onus to the students and let's, let's um, ask them to create the content. So um, um, we have recently launched a competition, like you, you said in your course, you said you create something, anything uh, that comes to your mind. So it's a, it's a similar idea. We have asked our students to create any contents with regards to, let's say uh, there is a museum in the university, go and make some 360 um, of that museum or capture uh, something from that museum library visit or any, you go to the lab, um, high power lab or any electronics lab, you go there, make a tour and then annotate bits and pieces in there. What is this equipment? What is the purpose? You can add, you know, the PDFs and the YouTube videos to support that uh, information. So it, quickly you can create a lab environment with the bubbles of information here and there. And you can introduce the students about that lab or that facility that is uh, available in at your campus. Yeah. So, uh, so the students are creating these contents uh, and hopefully uh, the uh, competition has just started. We are, wow. we are very much excited to see what they come up with and uh, we are looking forward to see their outputs. So this is one way, it's not about only the technical aspect, it's about the non-technical aspect as well, where you are introducing. For example, this is something, if, if a very nice, uh, um, you know, Matterport or 360 of your uh, top facility is created, you can always use that for your open days to uh, invite more students for the, uh, for the next admissions. This is a good publicity thing that you can always use to attract more and more students. So okay. talking about the research center, for, we are creating um, the you know, content for five of our research centers. So enable to introduce the postgraduate students, the potential PhD and master students about what sort of facilities we have kind of initial training of that equipment, what sort of things can be done with those uh, uh, facilities. So this is a good publicity marketing uh, possibility. And as you were saying, this is a short snap. You can quickly get an idea of what is there. So this is all really amazing. And yeah, 
with the help of EMXR platform, it's going uh, in the right direction, I would say. I think, yeah, I think that was maybe the most surprising thing to me when I first interacted with it is because I did start, you know, years ago and I teach 2D design and I've done coding and all that, but that it drags it. I think I, I think one of the first questions I asked was, well, which, which of the files do I drag in? The answer was just a zip file. I'm like, really? So it's just, you know, that, I think that little thing can be overlooked because that makes it now, because we already know how to drag JPEGs and PDFs and all that. So just that little fact to me is pretty huge because now I don't have to understand the file structure, you know, because that now you're getting into which is the lighting and the camera angle and the skins. And then that's, you know, 3D designer information, you know, but most people don't know that. So that the just the ability to drag in a zip file is, is uh, for me amazing. The other thing that I think is for teachers that we don't talk about enough is screen recording. So if you want to share your, like I do YouTubes all the time, but share those things with other people and then they can go do a 3D experience later, that um, in-app screen recording for me is something I use all the time, like every day. And I just save stuff on my phone, put it on my computer, and then I've got a library of things. So I just think for teaching, uh, that's something probably we don't talk about enough is just the, you know, the ways that we share these experiences so that other people can learn. But yeah, I, I agree with you on the students, you know, and one of the things I, I learned is even YouTube, like how people use that. Like it, there's stuff on YouTube, but we can all put stuff on YouTube. So I can put like, you know, I can put my own lectures on there. Students can put their own conversations on there and then bring it in. And then the other thing I think about that is just, you know, which level of education that you're in that experience. If you're at a doctoral level, you might be putting reference information you know, APA citations. Um, so, you know, um, you know, frameworks, things that you're studying at a doctoral level versus, you know, if you're in your uh, bachelor's degree, you might be doing, um, you know, walkthrough experiences and like discussions. So, yeah. I'm, so, I, so talking about that, so students getting in there, do you think that's like a faster way? Because I feel like my students, they don't need as much information as when I work with, um, you know, like teachers on, on, they grab their phone and they just start kind of figuring it, figuring it out in, in a very short time. Yeah, probably this is bringing back to the point I was making earlier. This is a different generation. And as we, as the time will pass, uh, the, the gap is going to increase. It's my understanding. It might be wrong, but the gap between the academics and, uh, and the student generation is going to increase if we don't catch up. Mm. So as, and, and, and this is what uh, probably your experience is saying is that students are, you know, quick adapters. They, they, they create contents uh, and, and, and they are motivated and they are excited to learn these tools and uh, develop the contents. So this is something, again, I would go back to the same point that as academics, we have to uh, use the technology. I'm, I'm not specifically limiting myself to AR, VR. Yeah. It's just the technology in general. The technology should be supporting the uh, educational process. Uh, and the need is more than ever. Uh, the expectation levels over the over the pandemic has uh, has been raised uh, after the use of technology, so much technology. I mean, prior to pandemic, people would not have thought about recording any video lectures. Um, 
there, there were very few academics who would prepare their video lectures and put them on on the on the learning management system for their students so it was all about going into the lecture theater delivering the lecture and you're done but now there is so much material that is created that the students can always go back look revise refresh now the expectation would be in the, in the new normal that whenever you are delivering a lecture there should be a recording there should be a accompanied resource that is available for us in case we we want to refresh something or we miss a lecture so the expectations are raised now it's important to use that technology to meet those expectations and arvr is an element of that technology that can support the enhancement of the learning that's a really good point i i'm trying to think how my life would have changed if i had recorded lectures because yes. Yes. <laughs> we didn't have any <laughs> yes. and i remember you know panicking if you're missing something so one engineering mm -hmm. lecture is like so much information like that messes up your entire term you know Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And, and then it become, if we go to the practical side of where the, um, where the student ha students ha have to do a lot of hands-on things. So again, there, there should be some sort of uh, technology enhancement. I talked about the uh, robotic arm. So for example, you are, you are in a remote setting and you are able to run your experiments with the help of the robotic arm. You are in a virtual world. You are controlling the robotic arm. You are connecting the components. You are trying to build a circuit, and then you you are, you are uh, looking at the output of your circuit. So you are able to you know perform the experiment. This is just the electrical engineering uh, example. But if we expand it to medicine, uh, th this has so many applications in medicine. So remote surgery, and then people are able to you know perform the uh surgeries or complex procedures without any fear of uh, hurting <laughs> or you know uh, 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 hurting anyone because this is all going into the virtual world so if you if you don't put a uh, injection in the right place it's not going to hurt anyone it's just for your training so you you get a better confidence when you are going to deal with the actual patients or actual uh, scenarios in your in your life so Mm -hmm. With the help of this virtual world training, uh, I think the studies have told us that the confidence level increases before you actually do the experiments. Absolutely. I've seen some beautiful models lately of like pre and post surgery where they know kind of the size and where to go and, you know, what yeah. they're going to be doing and they can make a better plan with the surgery team. And then they do another image after. And those, uh, Hospitals and institutions and research facilities are putting those models up in places like Sketchfab for free so other people can learn from how they're doing them. So, you know, I myself am learning and, you know, certain types of uh, kind of bypasses, all kinds of sur mm -hmm. surgeries. And um, they're done in a little different, different way every time we move forward because the medical devices are also changing along with all of this. So to be able to do things less invasive and because it's less invasive and I used to be design medical devices. So that's mm -hmm. why I think about this. It You can't see as much. So, right, you can't just open everything up and see. So the plan beforehand and the imaging it becomes even more important in the types of tools you're using. So yeah. I think this is changing kind of both fields together, the imaging field, <clears throat> the AR, VR field, and the way that uh, medical 
uh, both companies and doctors are using these technologies together. It's fascinating. So I, I haven't I haven't taken uh, um, biology or medicine, but I I have a understanding that previously or even up till today, uh, the di when the dissection is done on, on somewhere, uh, there's a bunch of students who are overlooking that disse dissection and they are. So it's a limited capacity. You can't train more people because you don't have enough resources. But with with a, you know AR and VR, you can you can <laughs> dissect any anything at any scale. So millions and millions of people can see how the procedure is happening, and then they can practice by themselves in, uh, in the VR world as well. So this is something that is going to change the whole training paradigm. So it's not only medical. Uh, in, in uh, electrical, for example, if you have to do uh, some, let's say um, you have to um, uh, perform some hazardous activity, let's say something to do with nuclear or something to do with high power, high voltage. Uh, so that is very dangerous if you don't take the proper safety measures in the, in the real world. But in the, in the virtual world, you can do that experiment. You can train yourself before you are exposed to the actual setting. That's fantastic. I I mean, I, I just remember all the circuit diagrams that I've done and it's a different, completely different way of learning in 3D than just diagrams on a piece of paper. I mean, a much exactly. better understanding, yeah. And there are so many concepts that, that need 3D visualization. This is another aspect probably we should highlight as well. So, uh, for example, three-dimensional space concepts, uh, uh, there is a field of electromagnetic wave theory where you have to see the um, uh, electromagnetic waves in the three dimensions to properly appreciate the patterns or radiation flow. But it, we, we learned it on a, on a blackboard in two dimensions. It's very hard to visualize the three dimensions, X, Y, and Z coordinates. But with the help of this 3D modeling, you are able to rotate up, down, left, right. You can visualize it from any angle and that clarifies your you know, understanding of uh, how this object or how this pattern will be in three dimensions. Hmm. And that really supports the understanding of uh, the theory that, that is developed based on those basic concepts. So there are so many subjects in engineering that that need 3D visualization and with the help of 3D visualization, uh, the further uh, the concepts are built on. Unfortunately, uh, in our time and up till now, uh, we are just using two dimensional to show the 3D uh, on, a, on a piece of paper or, or, or on a blackboard. But with the help of 3D model, it always helps. Uh, when you look around, you can rotate that's that's one of the things I think that us professors need to voice, and I'm I'm doing that. Like this weekend, I'm going to be at a, a fest at a education uh, seminar, and I'm going to be doing like a two hour thing. But what I'm going to be concentrating on is showing opportunities to make more 3D uh, content for learning. So because you and I kind of teach specific things, so one of the it reminded me of the thing I teach with sound waves. Because I, te I teach audio engineering. So where do these sound waves go? Then how do you build construction to optimize sound waves and recording technology? So now you're looking at, and in 3D, it makes sense. In 2D, it doesn't make sense. Like how, how do you know the, you know, 
all the engineering and specifications of your walls and your materials and the density and and then you're dealing with all kinds of spectrum between 20 hertz to 20,000 hertz. So, you know, what does that look like on these different materials? What are the corners like? So, um, which is why I love audio engineering, because I could take my same engineering principles and just apply them to audio, because I love music. You see behind yeah. me, <laughs> I play a lot of music. So, um, uh, I found audio engineering fascinating, because I already knew the theories and now doing real things. But in, so if we, and I'm, you made a model of different sound waves and wavelengths and different constructions in 3D would be a much better learning modality for uh, the generation now and in the future, I think. Exactly, exactly. And uh, I'm not sure it will be a too specific example, but you know, you have your time domain representation and then you have frequency domain representation. And it's very, at times, it becomes very hard for students to grab what the signals look like in time domain and how is the frequency domain representation. But, you know, in, in, in 3D world, you can easily see uh, and when you can change the signal or you can play with the signal and you can see the, their representation in the frequency domain. And there are so many representations that are not 2D, that are 3D. So that helps to understand how the signal is in the time domain and the, and the frequency domain. But this is a very specific example. <laughs> By the way, I'm a ham radio operator, so I know a little bit about signal. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> so back in the day when that was important. Yeah, yeah you have a lot of things going on. <laughs> Music, biomedical, yeah. sound, yeah. Yeah, so uh, I'm a tech plus back in the day. So I still have it. We have actually have a ham radio antenna in the in the attic in my house. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, I, I'm uh, I'm married to an airline pilot, so radio frequencies are very big in our lives. So. <laughs> Even no Morse code, believe it or not. So I wanted to talk a little bit about something a little different that I'm fascinated with, and I'm going to share my screen for a second on um, digital twins, if that's okay. So I think it's another engineering principle that's really changing things around. So I made a little video um, with my LiDAR scanner um, on, let's see, make sure my sound, I don't need it to be on. I scanned my base amp, <laughs> but mm -hmm. just because it was square and it was easy to demonstrate with my phone, um, just, you know, getting three points. And then I'm going to, I make a scan of this thing with the LiDAR on my phone and then, um, with so the newer phones and iPads have that. And then mm -hmm. you can just get a digital twin. But the idea for teaching for me and then applying that to the real world is so that students can see you can replace these twins. Um, you can hide them behind the real object and then get information. So if I wanted to get information on like the frequencies of this base amp cone and then, or maybe a manufacturing principle on how you can manufacture this um, more effectively or when maybe which things fail first as far as things that plug in in the back, you know, and those are, those are common things in a large scale digital twins are used in, you know, entire operations or cities for like urban planning. And so it's common combination of IOT devices, you know, sensors, and then having a model to look at and, and finding efficiencies in urban planning, manufacturing, um, all kinds of things. It's just me adding content there. But now I have this digital twin of this thing and you, and I'm, it's hiding behind. You can see, so I have the content attached to the twin, but you're seeing the real object. So I can sit anywhere 
in an office somewhere and start analyzing a process or analyzing efficiencies. Um, and so digital twins, you know, it's, uh, it's newer uh, in, in engineering and manufacturing, but it's a modality that really is changing things a lot. And I think just the idea of like, what is a digital twin? Why do you need it? How does it come? How does it combine with IOT devices, internet of things? You know, what is the sensor technologies? And I think probably in your field is something that is probably, I'm sure that IOT is used in sensors and things. I was going to see about your ideas on that. Yeah, definitely. So um, we are doing a lot of work on IOT as well. And um, uh, we have a test pad, uh, which is uh, connected to LoRaWAN and other technology uh, for providing the coverage over larger areas for connecting multiple IOT devices. Uh, uh, and this is very important to have um, what you are calling digital twin, but in my mind, it, it will be really, um, and please uh, correct me if, uh, if uh, I'm wrong, because at the moment, what I feel is that Eon XR, um, what provides is this, this model, but the true digital twin is that you, you are able to experience the changes when the, let's say, environment changes or the parameter changes. So, for example, in an industrial setup, uh, you have your sensors connected to different machines. Uh, so, for example, um, an engine. So you have a sensor connected to that engine, which is recording its uh, heat uh, or, or temperature and with the revolutions per, per minute or the speed of that uh, uh, engine, uh, you are monitoring the, the temperature. So you, you should be able to, you know, um, simulate in a way that you change the speed and you are able to change uh, see the change in the in the temperature uh, so you are basically replicating the real world uh, scenario with a digital twin which is actually performing in terms of performance it's actually performing like the real one so you can conclude how these parameters or this setting will affect your apparatus so you can predict how long this apparatus will work or if if there is any fault going to occur or is it working fine so you are able to see the health or predict the health of your apparatus or equipment so yeah i, I agree with you i think that that's like the ultimate right so you can your qa can be tested you know digitally and and then and it's it's super important in healthcare too so one of the things that i in quality assurance was really, um, you know, critical safety of devices that you put in your body because you don't want to, you know, harm somebody. And so aging, aging technologies and what happens to materials in over time with, with heat, with yes. change, exactly. with packaging, <clears throat> really critical. So that's kind of a similar thing, but in the medical that I've dealt yeah. with. That I exactly. Think it's, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. But, so this will be, yeah, as you said, this will be ultimate thing. If I know it's, it's possible, but it, it needs a lot of effort. It's not possible within Eon XR at the moment, right? Right, because you need to have a digital functional, functional exactly. digital model. And um, that, okay. yeah. So that's why in digital twins, the way that like I'm using it now is more about um, attaching the artificial intelligence and sensor technology to a model. So, you know, like where the changes need to occur versus the model is, is functioning as uh, the data kind of yeah. producing yeah. data. Yeah. yeah. 
So but that will, be, that, that, that will be great if we can have that within the Eon XR platform. That will be amazing. As I said, the, the best thing of Eon XR is less effort, uh, more productivity, more uh, more output. Because you, you don't need to do any sort of coding. I, I know I, I've been working on the projects where students have to, uh, my, my uh, internees had to, develop some models uh, using uh, blender and then you know they have to learn different softwares to create uh, some are doing uh, creating content on unity but it all needs you know background knowledge you need to right. learn a tool and then you, you have to uh, get an expertise to develop something but eon xr is just uh, kind of a plug and play thing exactly yeah yeah i mean Blender and Unity are, and I, Unity I had to learn to for spatial audio, which I teach. Mm -hmm. But you know, there's like a billion things I don't know in there because I don't design entire game worlds. But that's mm -hmm. what it that's what it does. And um, and then um, same with Blender. I mean, working in to understand what orientation you're working in. If you're a two D designer, is confusing. Yeah. It takes yeah. a lot of gauge. There's also a billion functions in Blender, which are amazing. Well, this is taking this, this is <laughs> taking me to this point of uh, gamif uh, gamification in the learning, which is you know we, we, earlier on we were talking about our students how their attention span, but the kids they keep uh, hours uh, they stay hours and hours on playing Minecraft and other games, so they, over there their focus is so much that they ignore what their parents are telling. I am just talking about my son. He can stay on uh, playing game forever without even thinking if he's hungry or not. Yeah. So gamification is an important aspect as well. So if somehow we can introduce uh, gamification in our learning content, that will be really great to keep our students engaged. And uh, and and you know, gamification in the virtual world will be icing on the cake that you are able to. Uh, play those learning games in the VR world. Right. I'm going to show you one more little example because we're it's heading in that direction really fast. And so I'm really excited about this, actually. So just with uh, one of our new partnerships with Ready Player Me, how now the avatars capture your motion and your your image from your webcam, and then you customize it however you want. So um, and the other thing it allows the new technology is that you can put up to three assets at a time. So it, it because it's 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 Unity platform, it starts to become now uh, closer to that experience. So once you can combine assets plus your avatar, so you can be, actually do things, right? So that's um, I think it's a giant leap in gamification within Eon that's coming, mm -hmm. I believe, in May. This release, mm -hmm. and so um, I'm really excited about those things because I think that's. One of my favorite things to do is actually just put on um, my meta uh, Oculus yeah. goggles and just do things. I just love that environment. And I just think that in that sensation of like yourself and your hands, what you're doing and really grabbing things and moving things or using the force or whatever I'm doing in there is yeah. super engaging. And um, so I think those are going to be giant leaps in the platform as well. Exactly. And then we have been talking about remote surgery or the application of remote robots. Uh, probably it's, it, it's, it's time to talk about the, uh, the soft skills and the soft uh, learning that the students can have using these platforms. You were talking about, you know, 
the motion sensors, uh, your eye movement, where are you looking? So these are some, these are the things that can be really helpful in in create in developing the soft skills. So for example, in developing the employability skills, so interviewing skills. So if you are uh, you are in the form of an avatar, you are taking your interview. How your hands are moving? How is your confidence? How is your body movement? And getting a feedback on how you can improve your presentation skills when you are going for an interview. You, you get a boost in your confidence when you know that these are the things that you have already practiced and you have got the feedback. When you go in the real world setting, you are much mature and confident facing different people. So uh, soft skills, improving the soft skills in, in, is another area that uh, uh, this technology is really helping. For example, the lawyers, they can practice their <laughs> the cases in the court, in a virtual world, right? So right. these are all exciting things. I 100% agree, and I'll tell you why. I wasn't ever the best student, but I was successful because of my maybe my social skills. But mm -hmm. I remember as a young engineer getting picked out to uh, be the one to train in hospitals, train doctors. Mm -hmm. That's unusual for an engineer. And and I didn't realize it until the time, but I'm a teacher. Like that's what mm -hmm. I love to do. I like to transfer knowledge. And so that skill set's lived with me. And I think um, in uh, spatial meetings, for example, or in Eon, where you can go in yourself or up to six people or in, in the regular meetings where you can have even 20 people. But I like the spatial meetings. You can go in there and then with this new modality with your avatars, present, talk to each other. You can even make a background that's like um, a, a presentation booth, or it could just be something that you're talking about, whatever, like if you in, if you had a new thing that you wanted to bring in or something you designed, or it could be anything. But I think that's transferring knowledge and then watching that back is huge. Mm -hmm. I happen to also sing. So I learned, <laughs> watching myself in the mirror, I learned a lot about myself, I'm like, wow. It's, you know, how people perceive you mm -hmm. and um, between singing and actually my doctoral studies where we did a lot of exercises on perception and how people perceive you and leadership. Um, mm -hmm. I've really learned a lot about how, you know, you kind of take that for granted and really don't think about it. But when you actually go back and learn about it and think about it and practice it, it's something then becomes part of you and, and you'll be more successful in, in your skills. And I teach in TVET or CTE. It's um, called CTE in the U.S., but career education. And those are soft skills are the thing that we're lacking the most. And we fail the most in education to mm -hmm. give our students. And there's a lot of reasons for that in, in the U.S. Again, it's that are you learning four years of problem solving and communication and transferring mm -hmm. knowledge? Or are you learning skills? And you really need both to be successful and mature along your career. So. I, I like the spatial meetings for that a lot. I mean, you do see yourself interacting. You do have to talk to people. It is a recording. Yeah. yeah. So. And artificial intelligence is playing a role here as well because they, uh, for example, recording your audio and looking at your how many pillars you are using mm, and ahs in your communication, giving a feedback, how you can improve your you know communication, how can, it, if, if you're talking slow or fast, comparing it with the normal or, you know, successful examples. So artificial intelligence is helping to compare what you are doing with, with some of the 
uh, successful samples and giving you feedback on how you can improve on that. So an integration of artificial intelligence in, in this aspect is bringing a new uh, dimension. I love that. Boy, but can you, so many people can use that. <laughs> yes, exactly. I, including me. That's fantastic. That is something. Um, and then the other thing is uh, the soft skills as far as, um, I mean, there's communication and problem solving, but I think working together or working with people around the world. Um, one of the things that I've, I've mentioned this probably before, but that I had trouble doing in class that I don't anymore is getting industry to come in. And sometimes it's them, but sometimes it's the institution. There's papers to sign and now there's all kinds of COVID protocols and just having people to come in and all kinds of, of issues. But in, um, you can bring in someone in like an engineer and then go over a special design in class in a meeting in 3D with your students and then work together. And so yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Already the concept of metaversities is, uh, is coming up where, you know, we are talking about uh, a global square where people can come, meet, talk, collaborate with each other in the virtual world. So you don't need to travel. Although, uh, <laughs> This is not something some people like. They, they like to socialize. And so being social is part of human beings. We have to do that. But there is another aspect that if we are able to collaborate remotely, as in an experience of a real world, this saves a lot of uh, you know consumption in terms of uh, CO2 emissions. The travel, you know, you don't need to actually travel, which, which is good in a way for the planet. Uh, we, we are helping the planet by reducing the carbon uh, dioxide emissions. But to have that, you know, experience that is fulfilling, this is important. Like people having Zoom fatigue. Uh, so this is something you, you are in a two dimension. It's very hard to keep staring at the screen and, you know, you don't have the 3D experience. But somehow if that experience becomes more realistic, that will, you know, uh, excite more people to work and, uh, you know, joint uh, collaboratively work something, meet people. I, I saw an, uh, a project where uh, one of the university students, they created uh, the, you know, the main uh, block of their university where normally the students will come and, you know, talk about uh, their, you know, routine or daily uh, things. So it was a kind of a place where students would normally hang out. So they created it in the virtual world and then they wow. invited people to come there and uh, during the pandemic. And it was so amazing. The feedback was so great that people were feeling as if they were actually there in on campus. They were feeling the environment and they really liked the idea that in the virtual world, they were able to communicate with their friends. And uh, yeah, so the point is that it should be realistic in a way that everybody is uh, happy to be in that environment. I love that. Um, that's come a long ways. I mean, I remember the first virtual worlds and it, but where I teach as well, we have that. Uh, it was, you know, more pr so primitive when it started, but it's changing mm -hmm. so quickly. Yes. And now that you can change, you can add, you know, assets to your, I have a lot of ideas about how my world is going to look on my part that people are going to visit. <laughs> <laughs> in it and all this really cool stuff so <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm excited. yeah so um so probably um 
for a wider adaptation, it's very, uh, you were talking about it has come, come a long way, but it still needs to go a long way for a wider adaptation. Yes. And in and the development in the technology is going to be very, very important. I mean, I don't know how long will it will take Apple or Meta or Microsoft to develop those gadgets, which are, you know, lightweight, less energy consuming, less uh, troublesome when you are wearing them. So the headsets, if they are going to be smarter, if AR glasses, if they are part of your own glasses, that will be amazing. And I think the research and the development is going in that direction and it will take some time, but that will be a critical point for me when actually this technology is adopted more widely by everyone. Absolutely. And I think the glasses are huge because right now the goggles, you know, after about a half an hour, they're heavy and, you know, someone like my size might, I get tired, you know, not, I want to do it longer, but glasses that are lighter would be a huge change. And I think, because especially if, if you're meeting with people and you want to hang out for an hour or maybe you're mm -hmm. going to teach in there, yes. you know, for an hour or two, it's, it's, um, there, I, I think, um, 2023, maybe we'll see those big changes in platforms like Eon that are uh, kind of hardware agnostic, where they work on everything would be so exciting to try with and, and really change things. I think you're right. I think it will uh, accelerate the things that we're doing in the in the 3D yeah. space. In the As you know, already billions of dollars have been poured into this. Uh, you know, so and the tech giants are working really <laughs> hard to capture this market. So let's see who comes out as a winner or there is a, you know, shared space where we, we get more options as, as customers, as users, the healthy competition is always good. Definitely. Any last thoughts or come to the end of our hour here? And, and uh... yeah, I mean, I'm a huge advocate of using technology for supporting the student learning. And this is uh, um, I mean, even pre-pandemic, I've been doing, I've been involved in uh, the projects and activities that were focused on somehow integrating technology in, uh, to support the student learning. But post-pandemic or during pandemic, post-pandemic, things have changed drastically. drastically. And uh, I, I see two camps, one which, which are still in there they don't want to change anything they are stubborn they they are saying they, they they want to go back to that or keep the traditional base and then there is another camp which are too much optimistic about these all the technologies that are that are coming up as if they are going to replace uh, the traditional learning and teaching uh, my personal view is that the technology is there to support the technology is there to enhance that it is going is there to supplement it's not an alternative to your traditional base so as we were talking uh, we were saying that there are things that are better understood in in the, in in the 3d world uh, but it's not that everything is going to be transported transformed into into the 3d world so this visualization aspect is going to augment and enhance the student learning. It's not going to replace it. So that these are my final thoughts that we should always strive to get 
uh, involved in and use and integrate this technology into the learning and teaching but it's not an alternative it's a supplement and show it should always be used as a tool uh to I, I agree and i love people so i want to see people <laughs> i yes. love traveling and definitely i and i while you were saying that i was thinking about not just an education workplace but other types of institutions how I think, you know, you see institutions really changing and I really think, um, you know, it's probably a good idea to think about how to kind of expand the world of institutions with, with 3D just in general, just to engage the next generation. It's probably an important thing that, that you brought up. I hadn't really thought about that until now, but I think that's what people, the next generation is expecting. So that, that'll be interesting to see that develop. So super. Well, so John, uh, such a pleasure. I mean, I could talk for another two hours with you. So yeah, <laughs> another pleasure one of you. Is mine. Pleasure is mine, Dana. Thank you very much for inviting and giving me this opportunity. Thank you so much. And to uh, our worldwide audience, um, hope you enjoy this session. Um, it's, a, it's fantastic um, ideas. And we hope we help you to learn about Eon, to learn about AR, VR, 3D, digital twins. Um, microwave technology, all the things we talked about and contact us for any more questions. We'll see you um, on the podcast on YouTube and out there in, in cyberspace in the metaverse. So thank you so John. Thank you. Dana. Thank you very much. All right. Take care. Bye. You too.